It's go time. Training camps are fully underway in the Canadian Football League and some surprising changes in rosters. There's a lot to break down as we head into week one of what is going to be the 2023 football season. Hi everybody, Don Charbon along with Heath Graham here on Quick Kicks. Heath, Patrick Levels, probably the biggest surprise so far, a veteran who spent time winning a great cup with Stampeders, is now gone from Ottawa, weak side linebacker, bit of a surprise, but when it comes to training camp, anything is possible. It is, that's one name that definitely jumped off the page as far as those transactions have gone. We know... Typically, teams are bringing over 100 guys into camp to have a look at. So maybe the Red Blacks see a diamond in the rough or a younger guy coming up for less money. And as we know how important cap management is in the CFL, Patrick Levels might be one of those guys that just doesn't financially fit into the Red Blacks' plans. I hope he lands on his feet. I believe he's got lots of football left in his career. And it's uh, just a, a numbers game at this point. It would be a surprise in my books that he wouldn't land somewhere. I would think the Alouettes might come calling. If they don't, then you could look at somebody out west. But um, clearly, he's a talented player. There was just something maybe that, uh, like you say, could be a salary consideration, maybe something else that the uh, Red Blacks weren't seeing. And so they have to make that decision. That now opens the door for somebody else, obviously, to get that position. The other thing that the Red Blacks did was they signed Braylon Addison, who had just been cut by the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So they bolstered their receiving core. Now, Jalen Acklin, of course, is re-upped with the team, so they've secured him. That gives them a little bit more flexibility at receiver. It does. And just one last note on Patrick Levels. He joined the league in 2017, as you mentioned, with the Calgary Stampeders. So five years of previous experience in this league a veteran presence like that absolutely another team is going to have a look at him he has certainly not aged out by any means and Braylon Addison a bit of a surprise again but you know these these number games come into play time and again interesting to see how quickly some of these guys do get snapped up when they are released by their current teams another one uh, a little bit old news now but Sergio Castillo released by the Edmonton Elks and almost immediately within an hour or two re-signed with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So some familiarity there, perhaps bringing him back in Winnipeg. Jake Burt is no longer a Hamilton Tiger Cat, the former number one first overall pick by the club. I think saw maybe three games total in his tenure there, had very few offensive plays where he had the ball. A bit of a surprise, but there may be something more to that that we don't know, especially in his case because he saw so little of the field. Could be a case of just nagging injuries that just never let him perform to the way he wanted to. It could be, and maybe just not quite physically the right fit. He's almost more of a tight end build than a wide receiver or, or the, the slot positions that we rely on in the CFL. Um, a, a talented player, certainly, that Hamilton needed to take a look at in the draft, but 
offensively trying to find a scheme that he fits in didn't seem to be in the cards. And the Tiger Cats have had a few first overall or, or very high draft picks over the last several years that haven't worked out and haven't found the home. Hamilton has really been on a, I wouldn't say a mission, but certainly have been focused on getting younger and getting quicker. And they want to make a bid for this Grey Cup coming up in 2023. They're the hosts. They have the horses at quarterback with Bo Levi Mitchell. Scott Milanovic now is there, ex of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We could get into Nathan Rourke in a little bit, but with him there as an assistant, that is huge because of his acumen when it comes to developing quarterbacks. And not that Mitchell needs any development, but certainly having somebody with that experience and that genius, you can't be hurt by it. One of the detractors for the Tiger Cats over the last few seasons has been a bit of inconsistency in finding that number one quarterback and getting the most out of him. We saw Dane Evans struggle a bit last year. Previous seasons, we saw the tandem of Evans and Jeremiah Mazzoli back and forth game to game and and there was no consistency in who that number one guy was. You've got Milanovic coming in as a very tried and tested coach in the CFL and Bolivar Mitchell has nothing left to prove in this league. So that might be a tandem in place now that's going to allow Hamilton to get over the hump. And as you said, the pressure is on hosting the Grey Cup. You want to put your best foot forward and be in that game, certainly. And Hamilton has the opportunity now to retool a little bit and get that consistency at the quarterback position and get the offense back up to where it needs to be. Now, famously, Chris Ackie and the Montreal Alouettes are no longer together. He has gone his ways after some disagreement with the defensive coordinator, Noel Thorpe. The Alouettes going with Cody Fajardo as their starting quarterback coming out of camp. Fajardo, of course, wants to prove that his last season with the Rough Riders was an anomaly. And if he can do that, then the Alouettes are going to make some noise in the East. They are. And one of the biggest Weaknesses for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders last year with Cody Fajardo at the helm was that offensive line. Hopefully for his career, he's going into a situation where that Montreal offensive line is ready to protect him and allow him to do the things that made him so special early in his career in Saskatchewan instead of just running for his life on every single play. He looks to be invigorated, is very positive coming into camp with Montreal and and seems to be quite content in his decision and let's hope it plays out for him. Trevor Harris, the uh, the quarterback swap going to Montreal from Montreal to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders also is looking sharp in camp so far. We'll see what happens there. Uh, we've talked at length about aging quarterbacks and maybe trying to get one or two more seasons out of them, but Saskatchewan has to be looking to develop the next quarterback of note behind Trevor Harris this season as well. Rough Riders, I believe, still have five quarterbacks at play in their grouping at camp. That means that that uh, job is still open. Jake Dolagala, of course, who was there last year, was the third string for the most part. He's it was a bit of a surprise that he made the first cut to me, but clearly maybe he's got something more to show. 
He does. He's a, a tall, very athletic quarterback. With the legal trouble he got into last season, I'm a bit surprised as well that he's back for another go-round, but hopefully he has learned from the situations he found himself in last year. I believe he's got the size and the strength to succeed. Does he have all the other tools? And it's going to be up to that Saskatchewan coaching staff to get the best out of him. I, I have pretty high confidence that Trevor Harris will be the number one guy unless somebody, something incredible happens in camp. But that battle for the number two and number three spots is still very much on the table in Saskatchewan. Mason Fine, of course, is there for his third season. He was the backup of note last year and did get some game time. Shea Patterson is over from the Montreal Alouettes, another big quarterback. And if you want him big, he is six foot five. And this is part of what camp and preseason game is going to provide is a look to see where their development is taking them. We're reaching that point where the next wave of quarterbacks needs to start proving themselves in the league as well. We, As we mentioned, Trevor Harris in his late 30s, Zach Kolaris is 35 and beyond at this point. Vernon Adams Jr. has been around the league a long time. Bo Levi Mitchell again. So about half the teams have starting quarterbacks in that mid to late 30s. And you got to look for the guys like Taylor Cornelius, um, Nathan Rourke last year, guys like that starting to come up and, and push to be the next stars in the league. Speaking of stars of the league, Jalen Philpot won't be in Calgary camp because of a nagging hamstring injury. Stan Peters bringing in 16 receivers. Tells you where their focus is. It's Jake Mayer's time to prove his worth as the number one guy. And it looks like the Stampeders are committed to finding him some weapons out there, spreading that ball around, finding lots of targets for him to do what what he does best. And as I said, he's he's been the, anointed the number one guy with the departure of Bo Levi Mitchell. They're going to give him everything possible to prove that he should be that number one guy. The one thing he does have is a strong offensive line. If he can get the receiving core to match, the Stampeders could make a lot of noise. Interestingly, uh, the discussion about who's going to be the backup. Tommy Daniels there from last year. Dave Dickinson, not super high on his chances right now. That does leave the door open for somebody else to maybe take over that job. Stampeders are probably the best at finding people to fill need. They are. One other team looking to fill a need seems to be the Winnipeg Blue Bombers with the kicking punting duties as they have brought seven into camp including the aforementioned Sergio Castillo back. Mark Leggio is still there as well although has to be under the gun given the reactions from Coach O'Shea and the fans in Winnipeg last year with the with his struggles. They've drafted some global punters as well so a lot of competition in that kicking game in Winnipeg speaking of Winnipeg uh, Winnipeg has suspended kick returner Janarian Grant even though Grant has been at practice the Lions of all the teams out west seem to be the quietest in terms of turnover defensive lineman Stephen Richardson who had signed with the BC Lions was released by the club that may mean he could be coming back to Winnipeg a place that he knows and won a Grey Cup 
Steve Richardson is a bit of a surprise, a two-time Grey Cup winner, a vaunted free agent going to the BC Lions. Um, he did have some injury problems that he has hopefully overcome, but that familiarity with the rest of the Winnipeg defensive line could be very intriguing for him. We know Jake Thomas, Willie Jefferson, Jackson Jeffcoat are all still on that Bomber roster. Bringing a guy like Steve Richardson back for one more run, if they can make it work, would really shore up a very, very strong defensive line. Toronto Argonauts, of course, lost Shane Ray to the Buffalo Bills. That's going to hurt, but they had made some free agent signings to allow for a possibility that he could be gone. So that means for the Argonauts, who made a trade with the Elks, uh, swapping an offensive lineman for a draft pick, the Argonauts are another team, I think, that are leaning towards not rocking the boat too, too much. They feel comfortable with what they had. Quarterback is going to be the big question mark with uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson tearing up the USFL. It now behooves them to find, and if they're satisfied with, the quarterback they have in stock, the man who made a splash in the fourth quarter of the Grey Cup, the Argos are going to have to make a move to secure Chad Kelly. We often see the Grey Cup champions, unless they are financially handcuffed, continue to run back the players that made them successful in the previous year. That one is the biggest question mark, whether Chad Kelly is ready and capable to step up and carry that team as the offensive leader. McLeod Bethel-Thompson had a lot of big yardage seasons with the Argonauts, put up some pretty big numbers, and they currently have uh, Cameron Dukes, Ben Holmes, Brian Scott in camp as quarterbacks competing with Chad Kelly. Those names are not household names here in the CFL, so we'll have to wait and see if that's the the group that they are sticking with or if there's another splash to be made somewhere. Kelly famously made a reference to if he gets the starting job and does well, maybe that opens the door to an NFL opportunity. We shall see. Uh, it worked for Nathan Rourke, but now let's talk about Nathan Rourke. When he signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars, so much chatter was about he had a nice in with two coaches there, Henry Burris, who'd been a former quarterback in the Canadian Football League, and Scott Milanovic, who had quarterbacked and coached in the Canadian Football League, and both now have left the franchise, leaving Nathan Rourke with what? At this point, I guess it would be a general manager who saw enough to make a contract offer that lured him that way, but concerning, to say the least, as far as the comfort level Nathan Rourke should be feeling going into camp. I, I think, as you mentioned, Burris and Milanovic both know the CFL game, have been very involved in it and successful at the CFL level and know the skill level involved in the players in the CFL. Now that they are out of the picture, does that team and that coaching staff start to turn a bit of a blind eye to Nathan Rourke and look to those guys familiar with, to them in the U.S. college system and, and maybe some proven backups and third stringers in the NFL? It begs that question. It's not that Nathan Rourke doesn't deserve the chance. It's not that Nathan Rourke wouldn't succeed if given the chance. But his odds just got tougher without somebody championing the CFL in the coach's room. And that 
does matter. He's going to really have to rip up training camp to to win a spot. I, I agree. He's he's going to have to be head and shoulders above everybody else on that quarterback roster other than Trevor Lawrence. And to unseat Trevor Lawrence is going to be a major problem. So if he if he wants a contract, he deserves it. But in the same breath, you could argue, does one year make a career? Well, it could make you money, but it may not make your career. And this is the thing that I kind of, when we were talking about this way back, I was a little bit concerned about the fact that so many teams had looked at him, hadn't signed with any of them, went to Jacksonville, it's not the worst case in the world that if he doesn't make it, the CFL is still going to be very interested in him. If I remember correctly, the Lions would retain his rights coming back to the CFL if that were to occur this season. If it was this season, yes. If it's past this season, then the uh, rights go to free agency. That will be an exciting bidding war if it comes to that. If if Nathan Rourke ends up on a practice roster this year and doesn't have much of an opportunity going forward, I can't think that there aren't nine teams that would be trying to figure out a way to get Nathan Rourke onto their team to come back to the CFL. I don't know if nine would be that motivated, but maybe six or seven, the Lions would be clearly ecstatic to have him back, given uh, the interest in him in British Columbia when he was there. He, I mean, ticket sales just climbed. The consensus in the offseason was... So many people were happy for him for his opportunity, but sad to see him leave the CFL. I don't believe that any of that has changed at this point. Another quarterback that went down to the NFL and played for a few seasons coming from the CFL, ironically from the BC Lions, was Joe Cap, and he has passed away. Started with the Calgary Stampeders in the Canadian Football League in 1959, and then wound up in the 1961 season, moving over to the BC Lions and took them to two straight Grey Cup games, losing the first, winning the second over the Tiger Cats. Just looking up some of the numbers here, 22,725 yards, 137, sorry, 136 touchdowns over eight seasons, rushing for 2,784 yards and 26 touchdowns. In the 1960s, those are some huge numbers for a CFL quarterback. He left a, a great impression here. And much like Bud Grant found success in the NFL with the Minnesota Vikings uh, and was a, a real a real trailblazer and a, um, a big loss for the football establishment and for his family. One thing that some people will remember, but maybe not a lot are completely aware, November 20th, 1982. We've seen it a thousand times on ESPN Classic. It's called The Play. Cap was the coach of the Cal Bears in his first season. Larry Kuharik, who later coached the Calgary Stampeders, was his running back coach. The quarterback for Stanford was John Elway. Mark Harmon has kicked the uh, go-ahead field goal. Yes, that Mark Harmon. What, what an interesting roster of, of personalities on that uh, on that particular game day. It almost happened in the CFL with the Rough Riders in Edmonton in Taylor Field a few years back where Kenton Keith tripped over the 20-yard line or one more lateral and the Rough Riders might have won that game. It's part of the, the joy of football that it makes it so exciting is that 
it isn't over until it's over. A couple of other quick notes on Joe Cap, CFL Hall of Famer via 1984 induction class, a college football Hall of Famer, one of the 50 greatest Minnesota Vikings of all time, and holds a, a part of the CF, sorry a part of the NFL record for most touchdown passes in a game with seven. Player safety has been a marked concern in football for years. Now, the NFL and the CFL have decided to make practices safer. And what they're doing is they're bringing guardian caps to offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, running backs, fullbacks. Receivers have the option to wear it, quarterbacks the same. But basically, this is a cap that goes over top of your helmet and it reduces the impact by a significant percentage if you have head-to-head or helmet-to-ground contact. And this is another way that both the CFL and the NFL are trying to keep player safety at the forefront. A great move by both leagues. The repetition of minor collisions that uh, occur on that line of scrimmage cumulatively leads to CTE and issues down the line. So taking small steps to help lessen the blow is a very positive movement. It's interesting that receivers have the option to wear them. I guess often they're not involved in those heavy collisions in practice unless somebody's trying to prove a point. But that line of scrimmage certainly... That repetition, this is a, a great move by both these leagues for player safety. The CFL is also bringing in medical tents, which we've seen quite a bit in the NFL. There's going to be a pregame medical meeting where they're going to expand to include that with key stakeholders, including but not limited security and staff from the venue to make sure that everyone's aware of what is required. And if, heaven forbid, there's a medical emergency, what the procedures are going to be. There's going to be improvement in medical staff training. They're, they're really moving this along in terms of research and application. Just to touch on, I had to do a little quick Google search here on the padded helmets. I don't know how many of our listeners will recall in the 80s and 90s, the San Francisco 49ers had an offensive lineman by the name of Steve Wallace who wore extra padding on the exterior of his helmet in games that far back. He had suffered a number of concussions throughout his career, got the training staff to develop this extra protection for him. And interestingly, it has taken 30 years for that to catch on a little bit here down the road. He was maybe a bit too far ahead of the game and uh, and didn't have enough support by it from other players to really make that the norm for all of these years. The caps, again, they are attached to the exterior of the helmet. And the design is to, as I say, reduce impact when impact happens. Concussions still happen, but they're becoming less and less as each season goes by. And I guess the ultimate dream would be if we could have none coming from a season. Very tough to do in a sport as physical as football because not just those kinds of collisions, but freak falls or tackles a knee hits a running back as he's coming through the line. Those types of injuries will still occur, but 
certainly looking at the most common occurrences and how to prevent that. This is the the steps that they're taking. Preseason football starts May 22nd. Uh, That's coming up quick. We are recording this on the 16th, so we're just over a week away from that first, or just under a week away uh, from that first exhibition game. Uh, Not exhibition, it's preseason. Sorry, preseason. It's always fun to watch those games, especially that first week, because so many players are involved. Often the anointed starters are on the sidelines. You're not likely to see a Bo Levi Mitchell or a Zach Kolaris for very long, if at all, in those first weeks. It's game two of the preseason where they get the reps and start to fine tune. But that week one is where those players on the bubble are fighting for a job and trying to get noticed. You can see some spectacular feats of athleticism when a guy is playing for a contract. It's an afternoon game in Calgary, the Elks playing the Stampeders. One thing that was of concern and has happened as we recorded today, both the Elks and the Stampeders had to move indoors to conduct training camp because of the smoke that's coming out of wildfires in northern Alberta and in British Columbia. The winds bringing them to the east, making air quality almost impossible for people to be participating safely. We're feeling it in Saskatchewan this week as well. It kind of blew in here this afternoon, so we'll wait and see what happens with the Rough Riders. They are hosting training camp in Saskatoon this year. If it's smoky like this, they may be looking at some options in the next couple of days as well. We're going to see the new uh, helmets for the Toronto Argonauts, those Cambridge blue that they've gone to. It's the first time since 1962. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean and can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Third Down Gamble. Join us again, the Third Down Gamble podcast, audio worth watching. Third Down Gamble uses the expert resources provided by Canadian Football League player and game statistics, for analytics, game notes, and statistics, and 3downnation.com for news, insight, and in-depth analysis. Please visit cfl.ca and 3downnation.com for the most up-to-date information on the Canadian Football League.